Book four, chapter four of the Cathedral by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter four, the last tournament. On the morning of the chapter meeting, Ronder went in through the west door, intending to cross the nave by the cloisters. Just as he closed the heavy door behind him, there sprang up close to him, as though from nowhere at all, the horrible man Devray horrible always to ronder but more horrible now because of the dreadful way in which he had during the last few months gone tumbling downhill there had been until lately a certain austerity and even nobility in the man's face that was at last completely swept away this morning he looked as though he had been sleeping out all night his face yellow his eyes bloodshot his hair tangled and unkempt pieces of grass clinging to his well-worn grey flannel suit. "'Good morning, Canon Ronder,' he said. "'Good morning,' Ronder replied severely, and tried to pass on, but the man stood in his way. "'I'm not going to keep you,' he said. "'I know what your business is this morning. I wouldn't keep you from it for a single moment. I know what you're going to do. You're going to get rid of that damned archdeacon. Finish him for once and all. Stamp on him so that he can never raise up his beautiful head again.' i know it's fine work you've been doing ever since you came here canon ronder but it isn't you that's been doing it it's the cathedral please let me pass said ronder i haven't any time just now to spare oh that hurts your pride you like to think it's you who's been the mighty fine fellow all this time well it isn't you at all it's the cathedral the cathedral's jealous you know don't like its servants taking all the credit to themselves pride's dangerous canon ronder in a year or two's time when you're feeling pretty pleased with yourself you just look back on the archdeacon's history for a moment and consider it it may have a lesson for you good morning canon ronder pleased to have met you the wretched creature went slithering up the aisle chuckling to himself how miserable to be drunk at that early hour of the morning Ronder shrugged his shoulders as though he would like to shake off from them something unpleasant that was sticking to him. He was not in a good mood this morning. He was assured of victory, he had no doubt about it at all, and unquestionably, when the affair was settled, he would feel more tranquil about it. But ever since his talk with Whistons, he had been unsure of the fellow. Was it altogether wise that he should come here? His perfect content seemed to be as far away as ever was it always to be so and then this horrible affair in the high street three days ago how distressing the archdeacon's brain was going and that was the very last thing that ronder had desired what he had originally seen was the pleasant picture of brandon retiring with his wife and family to a nice rectory in the diocese and ending his days many years hence it is to be hoped in a charming old garden with an oak tree in the lawn and pigeons cooing in the sunny air but this oh no not this ronder was a practical man of straight common sense but it did seem to him as though there had been through all the movement of the past six months some spirit far more vindictive than himself had ever been he had never from the first moment to the last been vindictive with his hand on his heart he could say that he did not like the cathedral that morning it seemed to him cold hostile ugly the thick stone pillars were scornful the glass of the east window was dead and dull a little wind seemed to whistle in the roof so far so far above his head 
he hurried on his great coat hugged about him all that he could say was that he did hope that brandon would not be there this morning his presence could alter nothing the voting could go only one way it would be very painful were he there surely after the high street affair he would not come ronder saw with relief when he came into the chapter house that brandon was not present they were standing about the room looking out into the cloisters talking in little groups the dean bentick major ryle foster and bond the clerk a little apart from the others as social decency demanded when ronder entered two things at once were plain one how greatly during these last months he had grown in importance with all of them and secondly how nervous they were all feeling they all turned towards him ah ronder said the dean that's right i was afraid lest something should keep you no no what a damp cold day autumn is really upon us they discussed the weather once and again eyeing the door apprehensively bentick major took ronder aside my wife and i have been wondering whether you'd honour us by dining with us on the twenty-fifth he said a cousin of my wife's lady caroline holmesby is to be staying with us just then it would give us such great pleasure if you and miss ronder would join us that evening my wife is of course writing to miss ronder so far as i know my aunt and i are both free and will be delighted to come said ronder delightful that will be delightful as a matter of fact we were thinking of having that evening a little shakespeare reading we thought of king lear ah that's another matter said ronder laughing i'll be delighted to listen but as to taking part but you must you must said bentick major catching hold of one of the buttons on ronder's waistcoat a habit that ronder most especially disliked more culture is what our town needs several of us have been thinking so it is really time i think to start a little shakespeare reading amongst ourselves strictly amongst ourselves of course the trouble with shakespeare is that he is so often a little a little bold for mixed reading and that restricts us nevertheless we hope i do trust that you will join us canon ronder i make no promises said ronder if you knew how badly i read you'd hesitate before asking me we are past our time said the dean looking at his watch we are all here i think but brandon and witherham witherham is away at drymouth he has written to me how long we should wait i can hardly believe said ryle nervously that archdeacon brandon will be present he is extremely unwell i don't know whether you are aware that three nights ago he was found by lawrence the verger here in the cathedral in a fainting fit he is very unwell i'm afraid the whole group was immensely interested they had heard fainting here in the cathedral yes by the bishop's tomb he was better yesterday but it is hardly likely that he will come this morning poor man said the dean gently distressed i heard something that was the result i'm afraid of his fracas that morning in the high street he must be most seriously unwell poor man poor man was echoed by everybody it was evident also that general relief was felt he could not now be expected to be present the door opened and he came in he came hurriedly a number of papers in one hand wearing just the old anxious look of important care that they knew so well and yet how changed he was instead of moving at once to his place at the long table he hesitated looking at bentick major at foster then at bond 
half puzzled as though he had never seen them before i must apologize gentlemen he said for being late my watch i'm afraid was slow the dean then showed quite unexpected qualities will you sit here on my right archdeacon he said in a firm and almost casual voice we are a little late i fear but no matter no matter we are all present i think save archdeacon witherham who is at drymouth and from whom i have received a letter they all found their places ronder was as usual exactly opposite to brandon foster slouched into his seat with his customary air of absent-mindedness ryle tried not to look at brandon but his eyes were fascinated and seemed to swim in their watery fashion like fish fascinated by a bait shall we open with a prayer said the dean and ask god's blessing on this morning's work they prayed with bent heads brandon's head was bent longer than the others when he looked up he stared about him as though completely bewildered as you all know the dean said in his softly urgent voice as though he were pressing them to give him flowers for his collection our meeting this morning is of the first urgency i will with your approval postpone general business until the more ordinary meeting of next week that is if no one has any objection to such a course no one had any objections very well then as you know our business this morning is to appoint a successor to poor morrison at pybus st anthony now in ordinary cases such an appointment is not of the first importance but in the matter of pybus as you all know there is a difference whether rightly or wrongly it has been a tradition in the diocese that the pybus living should be given only to exceptional men it has been fortunate in having a succession of exceptional men in its service men who for the most part have come to great position in the church afterwards i want you to remember that gentlemen when you are making your decision this morning at the same time you must remember that it has been largely tradition that has given this importance to pybus and that the living has been vacant already too long he paused then he picked up a piece of paper in front of him there have been several meetings with regard to this living already he said and certain names have been very thoroughly discussed among us i think we were last week agreed that two names stood out from the others if to-day we cannot agree on one of those two names we must then consider a third that will not i hope be necessary the two names most favourably considered by us are those of the rev rex forsyth chaplain to bishop clematis and rev ambrose whistons of st edward's hoston the first of these two gentlemen is known to all of us personally the second we know chiefly through his writings we will first i think consider mr whistons you canon foster are i know a personal friend of his and can tell us why in your opinion his would be a suitable appointment it depends on what you want said foster frowning around upon every one present and then suddenly selecting little bond as apparently his most dangerous enemy and scowling at him with great hostility if you want to let the religious life of this place nearly dead already pass right away choose a man like foresight but i don't wish to be contentious there's been contention enough in this place during these last months and i'm sick and ashamed of the share i've had in it i won't say more than this that if you want an honest god-fearing man here who lives only for god and is in his most secret chamber as he is before men then whiston is your man i understand that some of you are afraid of his books 
there'll be worse books than his you'll have to face before you're much older that i can tell you i said to myself before i came here that i wouldn't speak this morning i should not have said even what i have because i know that in this last year i have grievously sinned fighting against god when i thought that i was fighting for him the weapons are taken out of my hands i believe that wistons is the man for this place and for the religious life here i believe that you will none of you regret it if you bring him to this appointment i can say nothing more what had happened to foster they had one and all expected a fighting speech the discomfort and uneasiness that was already in the room was now greatly increased the dean asked ronder to say something ronder leaned forward pushing his spectacles back with his fingers he leaned forward that he might not see brandon's face by chance he had not seen brandon for more than a fortnight he was horrified and frightened by the change the grey-white face the restless beseeching bewildered eyes belonging apparently to someone else to whom they were searching to return the long white fingers ceaselessly moving among the papers and tapping the table were those of a stranger and in the eyes of the men in that room it was he who had produced him yes and in the eyes of how many others in that town you might say that had brandon been a man of real spiritual and moral strength not ronder not even god himself could have brought brandon to this but was that so which of us knows until he is tried his wife his son his body all had failed him and now this too and if ronder had not come to that town would it have been so had it not been a duel between them from the moment that ronder first set foot in that place and had not ronder deliberately willed it so what had ronder said to brandon's son and to the woman who would ruin brandon's wife all this passed in the flash of a dream through ronder's brain perhaps never entirely to leave him again in that long duel there had been perhaps more than one defeat he knew that they were waiting for him to speak but the thoughts would not come wistons foresight foresight wistons who were they what had they to do with this personal relation of his with the man opposite he flushed he must say something he began to speak and soon his brain so beautifully ordered began to reel out the words in soft and steady sequence but his soul watched brandon's soul my friend canon foster knows mr whiston so much better than i do he said that it is absurd for me to try and tell you what he should tell you i do regard him as the right man for this place because i think our cathedral that we all so deeply love is waiting for just such a man against his character no one i suppose has anything to say he is known before all the world as a god-fearing christian he is no youth he has had much experience he is every one witnesses lovable and of strong personal charm it is not his character but his ideas that people have criticized he is a modernist of course a man of an inquiring penetrating mind who must himself be satisfied of the truth for which he is searching can that do us here any harm i believe not i think that some of us if i may say so are too easily frightened of the modern spirit of inquiry i believe that we churchmen should step forward ready to face any challenge whether of scientist psychologist or any one else 
i think that before long whether we like it or no we shall have to do so mr wistons is i believe just the man to help us in such a crisis his opinions are not precisely the same as those of some of us in this diocese and i've no doubt that if he came here there would be some disputes from time to time but i believe those same disputes would do us a world of good god did not mean us to sit down twiddling our thumbs and never using our brains he gave us our intelligence and therefore i presume that he meant us to make some use of them in these matters mr wistons is exactly what we want here he is a much-travelled man widely experienced in affairs excellent at business no one who has ever met him would deny his sweetness and personal charm i think myself that we are very fortunate to have a chance of seeing him here ronder ceased he felt as though he had been beating thin air with weak ineffective hands they had none of them been listening to him or thinking of him they had not even been thinking of wistons their minds had been absorbed held dominated by the tall broad figure who sat in their midst but was not one of them brandon in fact began to speak almost before ronder had finished he did not look up but stared at his long nervous fingers he spoke at first almost in a whisper so that they did not catch the first few words horrified they heard him say horrified so calmly these present cannot understand then his words were clearer he looked up staring across at ronder horrified at this eager acceptance of a man who is a declared atheist before god then suddenly he flung his head back in his old challenging way and looking round upon them all went on his voice now clear although weak and sometimes faltering gentlemen this is perhaps my last appearance at these chapter meetings i have not been very well of late and as you all know i have had trouble you will forgive me if i do not this morning express myself so clearly or carefully as i should like but the first thing that i wish to say is that when you are deciding this question this morning you should do your best before god to put my own personality out of your minds i have learnt many things under god's hand in the last six months he has shown me some weaknesses and failings and i know now that because of those weaknesses there are some in this town who would act against anything that i proposed simply because they would wish me to be defeated i do implore you this morning not to think of me but to think only of what will be best 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 he looked around him for a moment bewildered frowning in puzzled fashion at ronder then continued again best for god and the work of his church i'm not very well gentlemen my thoughts are not coming very clearly this morning and that is sad because i've looked forward to this morning for months past wishing to fight my very best his voice changed yes fight he cried there should be no fight necessary in such a matter but what has happened to us all in the last year a year ago there was not one of us who would have considered such an appointment as i am now disputing have you read this man's books have you read in the papers his acknowledged utterances do you know that he questions the divinity of christ himself no archdeacon foster broke in that is not true you can have no evidence of that brandon seemed to be entirely bewildered by the interruption he looked at foster opened his mouth as though he would speak then suddenly put his hand to his head 
if you will give me time he said give me time i will prove everything i will indeed i beg you he said suddenly turning to the dean that you will have this appointment postponed for a month it is so serious a matter that to decide hastily not hastily said the dean very gently morrison died some months ago and i'm afraid it is imperative that we should fill the vacancy this morning then consider what you do brandon cried now half rising from his chair this man is breaking in upon the cherished beliefs of our church give him a little and he will take everything we must all stand firm upon the true and christian ground that the church has given us or where shall we be this man may be good and devout but he does not believe what we believe our church that we love that we love he broke off again you are against me every man's hand now is against me nevertheless what i say is right and true what am i what are you any of you here in this room beside god's truth i have seen god i have walked with god i shall walk with him again he will lead me out of these sore distresses and take me into green pastures he flushed i beg your pardon gentlemen i am taking your time i must say something for mr forsyth he is young he knows this place and loves it he cares for and will preserve its most ancient traditions he cares for the things for which we should care i do commend him to your attention there was a long silence the rain that had begun a thick drizzle dripped on the panes the room was so dark that the dean asked bond to light the gas they all waited while this was being done at last the dean spoke we are all very grateful to you archdeacon for helping us as you have done i think gentlemen that unless there is some other name definitely to be proposed we had better now vote on these two names is there any further name suggested no one spoke very well then i think this morning contrary to our usual custom we will record our votes on paper i have archdeacon witherham's letter here advising me of his wishes in this matter paper and pens were before every one the votes were recorded and sent up to the dean he opened the little pieces of paper slowly at last he said one vote has been recorded in favour of mr forsyth the rest for mr whistons mr whistons is therefore appointed to the living of pybus st anthony brandon was on his feet his body trembled like a tree tottering he flung out his hands no no stop one moment you must you all of you mr dean all of you oh god help me now you have been influenced by your feelings about myself forget me turn me away send me from the town anything anything i beseech you to think only of the good of the cathedral in this affair if you admit this man it is the beginning of the end slowly it will all be undermined belief in christ belief in god himself think of the future and your responsibility to the unborn children when they come to you and say where is our faith why did you take it from us give it back to us oh stop for a moment postpone this for only a little while don't do this thing gentlemen they could see that he was ill his body swayed as though it were beyond his control his hands were waving turning beseeching suddenly tears were running down his cheeks not this shame he cried not this shame kill me but save the cathedral they were on their feet 
foster and ryle had come round to him archdeacon sit down you're ill rest a moment with a great heave of his shoulders he flung them off a chair falling to the ground with the movement he saw ronder you my enemy are you satisfied now he whispered he held out his quivering hand take my hand you've done your worst he turned round as though he would go from the room stumbling he caught foster by the shoulder as though he would save himself he bent forward staring into foster's face god is love though he said you betray him again and again but he comes back he gripped foster's shoulder more tightly don't do this thing man he said don't do it because ronder's beaten me is no reason for you to betray your god give me a chair i'm ill he fell upon his knees this death he whispered then looking up again at foster my heart that fails me too and bowing his head he died end of book four chapter four end of the cathedral by hugh walpole